0: Well, please join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's talk together about how we have been gifted to serve. It's only October, but some of you probably have already begun to think about Christmas shopping. Some of you maybe have already started and we start early so that we won't be stressed out as we get closer to Christmas. Now, my fear is by bringing that up, some of you are already stressed out because I brought up Christmas shopping. And now you feel behind. You are not behind. Still tons of time. But I'm on my way to a point, and it's this, that you and I like to buy presents for people because we love them. We want them to enjoy the present, to get some benefit from the present. Well, we're in a passage now in 1 Corinthians 12 where we're going to be reminded that, that our God is the original gift giver. God is the ultimate gift giver. In fact, think about it. The moment you repented and believed in Jesus, God began to flood you with gifts. Even that faith that you had to put into him, that also a gift of God. But think when you put your faith in Jesus, the gift of everlasting life, now yours, the gift of an eternal inheritance with God, the gift of adoption as his son or daughter forever and ever. How, how wonderful. The gift of the indwelling spirit, the moment you believed in Christ, the spirit of God took residence in you and he's never going to leave you. And he came bearing gifts. When the Holy Spirit came into you, the moment you believed in Christ, he brought you at least one spiritual gift. And we're going to talk about that this morning. This gift God gave you, what we're going to talk about as spiritual gifts, this gift was not primarily for you. It's for all the brothers and sisters around you. We can say it this way, this spiritual gift God gave you at your conversion is a gift he wants you to re-gift over and over again throughout your life. So let's go in together to our text, 1 Corinthians 12. Let's begin with the first six verses. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. So while we move into chapter 12, we come to a new topic for us of spiritual gifts. Really, Paul is continuing that same context of addressing the divisions in the church at Corinth, this severe problem of disunity in the church. So for the Corinthians, their divisions show up yet again, now in this arena of spiritual gifts, they were going overboard and out of bounds in the way they were handling spiritual gifts. They had an overemphasis, On spiritual gifts in Corinth, and they had begun to express another expression of self-centered preoccupation. Now, the Corinthian context is a bit different than ours. They're going overboard with spiritual gifts. I bet today there are some of you are thinking, you know, I hadn't even thought about spiritual gifts in quite a while. And so for us, it's a chance to remind ourselves, oh yes, God has given spiritual gifts. And so the question for many of us today is, am I using my spiritual gift? Another question may be, do I even know what my spiritual gift is? We're going to deal with all of that today in our text. So the first question might be this, what is a spiritual gift? The word for gifts in verse four is the word charismaton. In the Greek language, you hear the word charismatic there. So there are those who would regard themselves as charismatic Christians. They get that word from this. Now we'll make the point here. And again, when we get to chapter 14, not everything that's expressed by current charismatic Christians is necessarily what was happening in the first century. Again, we'll we'll take that on in a couple of weeks. But this word charismaton in the Greek here has as its root the word charis, which is the Greek word for grace. So these spiritual gifts are grace gifts from God to believers. One scholar wrote this. He says, charisma is the instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of any believer to exercise a gift for the edification of Christ others. Another writer said this, a spiritual gift is a God-given assignment, capacity, and desire to perform a function within the body of Christ with supernatural joy, energy, and effectiveness. But our first point this morning from our text is this, that God gives a variety of spiritual gifts to his people. God gives a variety of spiritual gifts to his people. That's verses four through six. And Paul states it in several ways here. First, did you notice he said there are varieties of gifts. There are varieties of service. That's that word diakonia again that we sometimes use for deacon, but also for any kind of service. Varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. Some translations say Varieties of effects or operations, but there are varieties of activities. And then did you notice here a reference to the Trinity in this discussion? So again, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, same Lord, speaking of Jesus. And varieties of activities, the same God, speaking of God the Father. But the point being here, our God has equipped his people to carry out a variety of ministries with a variety of spiritual gifts that he's given to them. So now let's look at what some of these spiritual gifts are. And so this takes us now to verse seven, verse seven, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good for to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so we saw here in verses 7 through 11 a number of the spiritual gifts lifted out here. Uh, listed out here. So utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits. And then he speaks of various tongues and interpretation of tongues. But if you let your eyes go down to verse 28, you'll see another list of some of the spiritual gifts. He mentions there apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. But those two lists in 1 Corinthians 12 aren't the only lists given in the New Testament. So in Romans 12, we have another list, and Paul there lists these spiritual gifts, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation. He mentions in in Romans 12, a, a gift of giving, a gift of leadership, and even a gift of mercy. In Ephesians 4, we're told that there are these gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then in 1 Peter 4, we're told there's a gift of speaking and a gift of service. Here's the point. There are a variety of spiritual gifts, and none of these lists we would take as exhaustive. There are potentially other spiritual gifts, but in each of these places in the New Testament, we're told, oh, there's just, there are many different spiritual gifts And so God gives gifts to his people to carry out the various ministries that he has for us in his body, the church, and also out in the world on behalf of his church. God has given us a mission and he's gifted us for the mission. And he even empowers us to carry out the mission. That's what he mentions in verse five, this empowerment that the spirit gives. So the first thing we've seen this morning is this, God gives a variety of spiritual gifts to his people. Second point, God has given you at least one spiritual gift. And that's verse seven. Notice it, to each, in fact, you might want to underline that, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Same idea we see in verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's the same idea that we saw in 1 Peter 4.10. Each one has received a special gift. So therefore we know this, no one has all the spiritual gifts. So we understand that. So you think about, is there anybody in the church that has every spiritual gift? No, that's not how God did it. He distributes these gifts individually to each one as he wills. Nobody has all the gifts. And also we know this, that we don't all have the same gift. We're gonna see that when we go deeper into this passage. You you might meet some people from time to time that tell you, no, no, if you're born again, and if you have the Holy Spirit, you're gonna have this certain gift, and the Scripture is gonna exclude that teaching as we're gonna see in a little bit. But the scripture does teach that you do have a spiritual gift. You might even have more than one. So believer, you have not been left out. You may not feel like the most talented Christian that you know. But, but God, you can be sure, has gifted you spiritually to carry out the work he intends for you to do. So we think about this in a couple of ways. First of all, when you were born, physically, uh, God gave you certain talents that were kind of latent in you. And as you got bigger, certain abilities of yours began to show up in your life. Maybe you were musical. Nobody knew when you were little. But as you grew up and practiced some instruments, you realized, I have an ability here. I have a God-given talent for music. and some, it's athletic. For others, it's intellectual, maybe artistic, creative type. Some people are more mechanically inclined. We say even that is, is a kindness of God to, to equip people even just naturally that way, believer or not. But then when you are born again, though, God then gave you another ability, a spiritual gift. And Again, the day you believed, you probably wouldn't have known what that was, but as you walk with Christ through the years, as you begin to serve in various ways, you begin to discover, okay, I think I'm beginning to see how God has gifted me. Now, sometimes that spiritual gift is really in correspondence with your natural abilities. For some people, it does work that way. Maybe they are naturally extroverted, they have a gift of gab, and then God, when he saves them, gives them a gift of teaching, and it just seems to be an enhancement of those natural abilities. Maybe it's a really helps them in with a gift of evangelism, even that natural extroversion God wired into them. But there are many people like me where the gifting comes kind of unexpectedly, not really what one would expect. And so those of you who know me and and I've been pastor here 17 years, so you know me quite well. um, I am very naturally introverted and uh, I can be quite shy. Now, not here. You're family for me. So I I don't feel any stress in the hallways when we hang out together, but, but if you could follow me to other meetings, when I'm in a place where maybe it's just another gathering of pastors, people I don't know well, I, I feel a social anxiety in those occasions because I don't, I don't really feel like I need to talk to everybody, but, but in, love makes me push out of myself, but I, I just, I think, what is wrong with me? So you extroverts can't relate to that at all. You, you live for those moments. And I'm thinking, all right, I got to push past this, this awkwardness. So, so imagine my surprise at the age of about 18 when, when God calls me into ministry. I knew then, I didn't know all that this would mean, but I knew there'd be moments like this where I'd be standing up in front of people talking. That is not at all naturally what I would have wanted to do with my life. In fact, I'll tell you this, I knew when God called me to ministry in high school, I knew there would be college and seminary to come to equip. But in college, when they offered speech classes, uh, I, I knew that, that probably would come in handy, but I wouldn't do it. I was not going to take a speech class. I'd already preached a little bit at my home church. My pastor got me up pretty quickly after my calling and I was scared, but God helped me through that and thought I, I'll speak for God. That was my thinking. I'll speak for God. He'll give me what I need to preach, but I don't want to get up in a contrived class, stand up in front of people and debate which toothpaste is the better, whatever whatever assignment they have. I just shied away from that. My point is this. God has gifted us sometimes in harmony with your natural abilities, but very often it might be outside of what you would have thought he would gift you to do. So what have we seen so far? God gives a variety of gifts to his people. God's given you at least one spiritual gift. And this, God has gifted you for a purpose. So God gave you a gift with a purpose in mind. Now, most of the time, when you receive a gift in your life, it was entirely for you. Somebody thought about you, loved you, wanted to encourage you. And so they gave you a gift that you could be entertained by it, amused by it. It would benefit you in some way. And really no strings attached with that gift. You could stick it in the closet, stick it in a drawer. Um, It's your gift. You can do with it what you want. But with this spiritual gift that you have from God, it's very different. It's not for you. You're going to get some enjoyment from it as you serve others. But this spiritual gift that we're reading about here is not for you. It's for the church. It's for the people around you. It's what we see very clearly in verse seven. See it again. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit. Now catch this. For the common good. So this is critical as we understand spiritual gifts. You were gifted to benefit and profit everybody else in the church. And because that's so, you must share your gift in the life of the church. You must use this gift that God has given you to bless other people. So think about practically what does this mean? So any gift that I have, he gave it to me for you in this church. And, And the gifts that you have, I don't have your gifts. The gifts you have, those benefit me and everybody else in the church. All of us gifted by the Holy Spirit that we might be a blessing to each other and all of it that would bring glory to God. This is very important because these Corinthians, they didn't have that understanding. They were gifted by God. Paul's no doubt saying, I, I saw when I was there planting your church and leading you to Christ, I saw you gifted this way, but it had, it had become something very ugly there. They had become divided. They were, they were taking up pride for some gift that they didn't even give themselves. Some were thinking they were better than other people. My gift's more important than your gift. This is what was happening there. Just another embarrassing occasion of division in the church at Corinth. And we've seen this theme run throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, haven't we? Divided in so many ways. Remember, we've already seen that they had lawsuits among them. There were the women against the men in the church. The strong against the weak in the church. We saw also, even surrounding the Lord's Supper, didn't we see it just a few weeks ago, the rich... We're mistreating the poor in the church. They're divided. And now we come to this very precious area of God giving gifts and they find occasion once again to divide themselves. Pride was their big problem. But again, notice there's a point and a purpose to the gift, not your ego. Verse seven, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. First Peter 4.10 says the same thing. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, or even even Ephesians 4 12, these gifts are for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So these spiritual gifts that each of us have from God, they are to be used for other people. We are to share them with other people over and over again in the life of a local church. So this is really like when we buy presents for our children to give away at a birthday party. So when you and some of you are in that season of life right now where you have young children and you get the invitation to a birthday party. And so what do you do when you get that invitation? You as the parent, because you have the money, you go to the store and you buy a present for your child to take to a party. You buy it, you wrap it because your child can't even wrap it. And then you hand it to your child and then you have a teaching moment. Okay, this one's not for you. Most of the time, the presents are for you. But don't unwrap this one. I'm going to drive you to the party. When we get there, you're going to give this gift to another kid. And if they're young, they don't don't have that concept down. But that's what's happening here. God has given you a gift. And he would say to you, this one's not for you you're going to get a kick out of it as you see other people enjoy this but you're taking this to the parties so we say when we come to the local church and as we as we operate together as the body of Christ this gift was never intended for my personal enjoyment alone so it becomes a matter really of stewardship that's what peter says god gave me something i'm supposed to use it the way he is prescribing for me again first peter 4:10 employ your gift in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Did you catch that word stewards? We think about that in terms of our money. We should be good stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. But your spiritual gift is also a matter of stewardship. He's gifted you for the body around you. Are you using it that way? So this this teaching would help us see that it's not an option for us to shelve these spiritual gifts that God's given us. Like, I don't feel like serving. I know, now I know He's gifted me, but I choose not to serve. This is not an option. We're being bad stewards. This gift He's given us is not for us to build up our own ego and our own pride and to strut around in the church. It's not an option not to share this gift. It's not an option to neglect this spiritual gift. Or we are unfaithful stewards of the manifold grace of God. So you have gifts that the rest of the body of Christ needs. God has individually given you the gifts, the gift you have according to his will, for his purposes in this body of Christ. And then Paul gives the perfect illustration of what this is like. Now, I've already illustrated this message in a couple of different ways, but I can improve upon this. As we move deeper here, Paul says, you know what this is like? This is like the human body. The body of Christ is like the human body. Notice with me this illustration he gives beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one, And as many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. body the eye cannot say to the hand i have no need of you nor again the head to the feet i have no need of you so paul's point is clear here each part of the body has something and does something that the rest of the body needs and really if you think about this illustration it's actually it has some comedy in it when we have body parts talking to other body parts that i don't need you I'm not like you, then therefore I'm not a part of the body. Paul's just saying that would be absurd thinking. We enjoy this illustration. And Paul said, this is how the Corinthians are acting. I'm more important than you. I don't need you. And other people, I don't feel as needed as you. Paul said, that's ridiculous. You are a part of one body. And one body has many parts and every part of the body is necessary. And you and I, in our own bodies, we we experience this most when something goes wrong with our body. When, when we're used to everything functioning pretty well, and then we have an injury of some sort, and then we go, wait a minute, now I, I now missed that part of the body that maybe seemed insignificant. For me, it was just a few months ago when I was washing some dishes, and uh, you know those uh, vegetable slicers? They're sharp. They're sharp, and uh, not just sharp with the vegetables. And so I'm, I'm washing that being careless, and, and I won't anymore. Because I, I sliced my, my very important pointing finger. You know, I need this one for preaching. You know, it's there. And uh, so I, I, I sliced it. And you know that, that moment when it happens, you think, how bad am I hurt? You know, is this going to require stitches? Because it's, it's one of those cuts that started bleeding immediately. And uh, it turned out to be no big deal. But it, even something minor like that, I mean, it took a couple of weeks for it to get back to normal. Where it was smooth again. and and all that. Band-Aids every day for a while. Just something silly like that, I realize I, I, I'm now having to compensate for something that's not working well. Now, it's a bigger deal for me when my back goes out. And that's about three times a year. And I don't, I don't know when it's coming. Usually, I'm doing something really dramatic and physical, like tying my shoes or something. And, you know, something really athletic like that. And then my back goes out. And I know immediately like, this is going to be a miserable five to seven days coming up here as this kind of works itself out. But I I miss my back when it's not doing what it ought to do here. And so, so yeah, we have this idea that, yeah, I am, I am interconnected. Every, every part is, is important here. And again, when something goes wrong, we, we experience it, but how much more when it's one of your eyes or one of your ears or your hands or your feet. And so Paul's illustration, it communicates, doesn't it? We're, we're a body. Jesus is the head of the body. We belong to him. What, a, what an awesome privilege to be a part of his body. But how important am I? As insignificant as we each individually feel, apparently we're quite important to this body and we want to serve in this body as God designed. As we read now the final part of this chapter, we're going to see this, that we indeed don't have all the same gift and we're not more important than anybody else in the church. Let's, let's read the remainder of the chapter here. Verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, and that there may be no division in the body. But that the members may have the same concern for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues are all apostles. Are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And the implied answer to all those questions is no, no, we don't all have the same gifts. Then he goes on to say, verse 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. And that's going to springboard us into what we'll see next week. First Corinthians 13, that great love chapter But for now, we take this on, spiritual gifts. And we'll pick it up again in 1 Corinthians 14. But for now, as we think about what do we do with this teaching, the the logical question that's probably in many of your minds is this, but what is my spiritual gift? I agree that I have one, but what is it? How would I possibly know what that is? And I want to share with you what Billy Graham said years ago on this. And I, I like it. It's very, very helpful here. He said basically four things about this. He said, first, realize that God has given you at least one spiritual gift and he wants you to know what it is and to use it for his glory. That's what we've been talking about from this text already. Secondly, he said, give careful and thoughtful prayer. Pray that God will guide you to know your spiritual gift. That makes sense. All right, now I know I have one. Lord, would you show me what my gift is in the body? Third, gain, gain an intellectual understanding of what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. That's what we've been doing. We've been learning. What does the Bible say about it? So 1 Corinthians 12, coming up, 1 Corinthians 14, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4. These are the places we go to see what are some of these gifts listed here. And then Billy Graham said this, evaluate yourself and your abilities. He said, we may find we like to do certain things, and we may discover that we're good at them. There are few shortcuts here. We simply have to discover specific ways in which our gifts begin to emerge often it's good to try a variety of situations. For example, in various ministries of the church. If I could summarize that down, how do I know what my spiritual gift is? Pray and serve. Pray and serve. You likely won't know what your spiritual gift is on the front end, and then you go find the ministry that matches it. Typically, you're going to discover what your spiritual gift is as you're in motion serving the Lord. In some ministries that you're going to be involved in, you'll discover, you know, I think I have an aptitude here. And people around me are affirming my giftedness here. And I begin to see over time, I love what he said, there are no shortcuts here. Over time, I begin to see, I think I'm gifted more in this way than that way. Now, let me encourage you here. When you first try a ministry, it may not go well. And that doesn't mean you're not gifted. So for instance, somebody might today go, you know what, I'm gonna start serving and I don't know what my gift is, but I know there are always needs in children's ministry and you go do it and that first Sunday, the kids just overwhelm you. You think, I'm obviously not gifted here. No, not, not obviously not gifted. Might be some skills you'll add to that gift, maybe some classroom management somebody with a little more experience will coach you in some of those tricks of the trade with that, but you might indeed be gifted. You might bring into your service in children's ministry, I have the gift of mercy, I'm gonna go serve there. Or I have, I have some other gift, gift of leadership, and I'm gonna bring it to bear in that ministry. And so, so yeah, don't, don't be discouraged if your first outing in some ministry doesn't go perfectly, you can still grow in these things. Another way to encourage you is this, that don't, don't be too quick to compare yourself to other people and by comparison, assume you're not gifted. So think about, think about preachers. Uh, there are people that I esteem as super gifted. So, so if I read a sermon by C.H. Spurgeon, uh, a famous pastor of another generation, when I read his sermons, there's just a, he, that man had another gear I don't even have. He, his sermons are amazing. And uh, he didn't even have a word processor, a computer. He didn't have Bible software. And I read, I read these amazing sermons. And I think, that, that's just amazing. God has super gifted him. I used to attend Adrian Rogers church. He's since gone on to be with the Lord, but, but to hear him preach every week and Wednesday nights, man, just, there was never a bad sermon. It was always like edge of your seat. So super gifted. So what do the rest of us do? I guess I just go home. <laughs> no, we just, we just know it's okay. If God chooses to super gift, just using my language, if God wants to super gift some for the benefit of the body of Christ, That's wonderful. And then the rest of us more modestly gifted. I just want to give my best to the Lord. If I can develop this better, I want to. But we're giving. So so don't don't think, well, I I know some other teachers, are better teacher than me. It doesn't mean you're not gifted. Just bring your gift and use it unto the glory of the Lord. One of my favorite illustrations of this is my my mother-in-law, Mrs. Garrigan. So uh, Mrs. Garrigan, I've told this before. Mrs. Garrigan, the sweetest woman I've ever known. Uh, My wife, Joy, her daughter, close second. But, but Mrs. Garrigan, the sweetest woman I've ever known. So I don't have those great mother-in-law stories that some of you have. Some of you got those great mean mother-in-law stories that we like to laugh at. I, I was robbed of those with this amazing, saintly mother-in-law. Well, anyway, Mrs. Garrigan, among her gifts, she had the gift of mercy. She probably had other gifts, but the gift of mercy. And uh, it showed up in some ways. First of all, um, to a fault for her, she was one of those people that if you asked her for a donation, her heart would go out and she's going to give you a donation. The family would try to protect her from herself. But the the sweetest illustration of this is Mrs. Garrigan would leave her car unlocked on the street of Manassas at night. So her family said, Mom, you left the car unlocked. And she'd say, I know, I know. Because if a homeless person were to walk down the street tonight and need a place to sleep, I would want them to stay in my car. Nobody ever took her up on that. She didn't advertise this car for homeless people. But we thought, wow, that would never have entered my mind. I'm locking my door, you know. But there's mercy. So anybody else who thought, well, I thought I had the gift of mercy, but I've never thought about leaving my car open for homeless people. I must not have the gift. Oh, you you likely do, but there are some super gifted people in some of these ways. So again, as we reflect on 1 Corinthians 12, what are some points of application for us? First of all, we could get sidetracked by what do some of these gifts mean and what does that look like today? Again, 1 Corinthians 14, we're gonna take on some of that. But for today, let's not miss this. Hear the call to unity in this passage spiritual gifts interesting we're going to talk about it but but do you hear here the strong call for unity here that we are one body paul is driving that home to these divided corinthians and so for us we take that to heart here we are one church we are very different different backgrounds different personalities but let's let nothing keep us from remaining unified in christ One body various parts, but Christ is the head of his body. So in our church, think of all the variety. We do have a team of pastors. We have a wonderful team of deacons. We have these great musicians and AV people. We've got a finance team that works behind the scenes, children's ministry volunteers, student ministry volunteers, greeters, prayer warriors, people who visit the elderly with our at-home team, and many more. And in all of that diversity of gifts and serving. May we always recognize, and it's all about Jesus. And I love everybody in this church and their various gifts that they bring. We will not let anything divide us up as a church. So hear the call to unity in this passage, but also hear the call to serve in this passage. All this talk about spiritual gifts and various ministries. There is a strong call for all of us to find our place of ministry in the church. You know, one of the things we do as parents and as friends of young people we always want to ask them hey what do you what do you want to do when you grow up what kind of what kind of career what's going to be your major you know what this passage would remind us more important than what career they're going to get would be to help them discover you know I wonder what your spiritual gift is i mean because we're talking about the body of christ that at salvation they were given a spiritual gift that is primary any kind of career they have out in the world would be secondary both are important it's not either or But I think we give attention to this. Hey, you you want to know early in life, as soon as you can, discern what your spiritual gift is. And so we're going to tell them the same thing. Pray and begin to serve and to see how God has enabled you to serve. Another practical word here, as we think about discerning our gift and using our gift in the church, you know what's indispensable to you serving in the church? It's being with the church when the church gathers you say, Jim, we're here. I'm here. Why, why are you teaching this? But but just understand, it's very important that you can be that you be as consistently, reliably here as you possibly can as a member of the body. It's required of us. There is a trend in American churches for those who consider themselves active in church to kind of be there every third Sunday, maybe every seventh Sunday. It makes it hard for them to serve. People might say, "I want to serve." But do you have a role that's every other odd month on the second Sunday, I might be there. I can't commit, but I'd like to serve. And so I know sometimes work, you can't control your work schedule. And illnesses, you can't control that. Maybe elderly parents. So, so lots of reasons. So no, no judgment. But the, but the thing you could apply is this. You know, as much as I can control it, how can I prioritize my involvement in the body of Christ? Knowing now and and seeing afresh, I've been gifted for the benefit of the body and for me to serve the body like I'm supposed to, I need to be here as much as possible. So think about this, how hard it might be as a church to serve and to carry out the ministries when you don't know who's going to be here reliably. Imagine if your physical body were like that. You'd wake up in the morning and you never knew which body part was going to be missing. Can you imagine that? Like, oh no, this is going to be a day without an eye. You know, (laughs) the eye's gone today. It'll probably be back tomorrow. Or if your right arm, on some days you wake up like I, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to go one-handed today. I don't, I never know when these parts are gonna be here. Imagine a restaurant trying to run like that. You no, know, uh, the chef shows up, but I don't know if any servers are coming today. We just never know when when the people will serve, and we can't know. Or imagine an operating room. If you had surgery this week let's give the surgeon, let's just assume he's going to be there. But if he never knew if any nurses are going to show up, any medical assistants, surgical assistants, anesthesiologists, anybody else going to be here, it's just hard to function. And imagine a local church the same way. If the people aren't saying, yeah, I get it. I've been gifted for a purpose to serve this body to the glory of God. Then I need to be as reliably, consistently present as I can possibly be for the good of this body. So brothers and sisters, we are the body of Christ. We want to give our very best in our service to Christ. We want to present ourselves really daily, all the time, as living sacrifices unto the Lord. And as you begin to explore right, how I might be gifted, you know, you can, you can try out a number of ministries. You could be one of our greeters in the church, and that's a great way to serve. In fact, I can't think of a more important ministry in our church than greeters. Because I, I never get past what a big deal it is when somebody visits here for the first time. Do you know how scary that is when you visit a church for the first time? Those of you who have been here a long time, we have first time guests today. They probably had some anxiety <laughs> coming in like, where do I go? And will I be friendly? And will I be fed? All those questions, but a smiling, warm face, genuine there at the doors and then the hallways, vital. And so if, if you think, I can't think of anything else to try, uh, sign up to be one of our greeters. You can even do that on our website. You hear us talk a lot about children's ministry for good reason, because it takes an army the two different Sunday school hours and Wednesday night programming. Uh, We need people to serve there in our children's ministry. You can be a part of our prayer team on Wednesday nights. Pray for the needs of missionaries around the world and pray for these conflicts around the world. We pray about those things on Wednesday nights. Go on mission trips. Be an encourager in the hallways. Even if there's not a title for the role, just be a Barnabas. Be an encourager in the life of the church. Just respond. Serve while you can and serve wherever you can. So you've been gifted. But before you can think about a spiritual gift, you need to receive from the Lord the greatest gift of all, and that is that gift of salvation. That's that gift of everlasting life. And so today, can I exhort you today, maybe you've come here or maybe you're watching our live stream and you've, you've been thinking about God and you're, you're, you're growing in your knowledge of him, but can I, can I encourage you today, make this the day that you put all of your faith in Jesus. He's already clearly been working in your life. If you're watching a live stream, or if you're in this room, God's up to something. He loves you. He's drawing you to himself, but there may be that one final step where you say, I no longer will resist you, Lord Jesus. I've been running from you. I've been trying to put limits on my devotion to you. No longer, I turn from all my sin, that I put all my faith in you, Jesus, because you died for my sins. You were raised from the dead. I trust you to make me righteous. I trust you to take me to heaven one day. I no longer trust in myself. I change my mind. I change my direction. Jesus, it's all about you. I pray you'll do that. When you trust Jesus like that, he will indeed wash all of your sins away. He'll make you, as the scripture says, whiter than snow in the presence of God. The righteousness of Jesus will be credited to you. Isn't that amazing? And you will know that when you die, you'll have a home forever with the Lord in heaven. And then know that when you trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to come into you And as we said earlier, he's come bearing gifts, a gift that you're going to use to bless the body of Christ all around you. Let's pray together. What an amazing God you are. Lord, how we praise you for being the original, the ultimate gift giver. Nobody has outgiven you, that you would make a way for our sins to be forgiven, that you'd make a way for us to be reconciled to you, to be with you forever, that you would give us a home in your heaven. Amazing. And then, Lord, thank you for this reminder that you've gifted us to be a blessing to other believers in this very church. So help us to to rise up to that. Lord, as your people begin to seek you for what their spiritual gift is, would you make that easy for them? Would you show them what it is and Lord, give them the joy of serving? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.